Welcome back to another episode of Agile Way podcast, where we explore challenges organizations face on their Agile journey. How to become great Scrum Master, how to change your leadership style, or how to embrace agility at the organization level. I'm Suzy Shukova, Agile coach, certified Scrum trainer, and author of the great Scrum Master book and Agile leader book, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm passionate about business agility, organizational culture, and Agile leadership, and that was the reason why I decided to start this podcast, to share with you my experiences and stories from my Agile journey. For the third series of this podcast, I'm inviting speakers of Agile Prague Conference so they can introduce their topics and they can also share with us a little bit about themselves and what they see happening in an Agile space. If you want to hear more, we would invite you for Agile Prague Conference September 1920, 2022. So hello everyone. Today it's my pleasure to have here Jasmine and she's one of our Agile Prague And I have a first question for you. What are you currently passionate about in Agile space? So for me, I'm really passionate about the shift that needs to happen in leadership and mindset in order to support agility, in order to actually develop agility, those things really have to move. So that's what I'm most passionate about. So tell me more about that shift. In leadership, the shift is quite important and it's also quite significant this shift is about enabling leaders to create value differently so rather than creating value as a leader in the old world where things were very simple you created value by knowing the answers and knowing the way and showing the way uh, to the people that were following you in the world now the world is too complex to be able to know all the answers or it's you know kind of a flawed assumption that any one of us can know all the answers that's why we have these um diverse teams and we're bringing people together in agile in order to find the solution so the leader creates value in a different way not by knowing the way and showing the way but instead by creating momentum and enabling people to find the way so that we can create better and better solutions so what's the most uh, difficult on that shift for people yeah the most difficult um because this is a shift in you know how you see yourself and how others see you so for organizations um probably the most difficult part of that shift is, you know, how we're rewarding leaders, how we're gauging leadership performance, right? If, um, if we don't redefine what it means to perform as a leader, if that stays in knowing the way, showing the way, directing people, telling people what to do, um, then this shift to agility is, I don't know if it's impossible, but it might be close to impossible, right? Because um, we behave according to how we're how we are rewarded often and so we also have to redefine what that looks like in order for people to be able to um, create value in that different way and rewarding is one part right but if you look into so for example what was your journey about this shift did you, you went through such a shift or you were just born the new leader or tell us something for more personal about this 
<laughs> sure. Um, so I was not born this way. Nobody is, right? It takes practice. You have to, um, like I'm going to be uh, talking about at the conference, you have to iterate yourself, right? You don't just show up in the world this way. Um, most of us begin our leadership journeys because we are the experts of something, right? So you fall into um, being the lead of whatever your expertise in. Uh, and by virtue of that, you start telling people what to do and solving problems and <laughs> jumping in and you evolve along the way. So that was really my journey was, you know, telling people what to do and showing them and thinking that that's what being a leader meant was like, I have a strategy and I guide people to that new state. I get them, you know, moving in the same direction. I get people aligned. I move them along. I push them right to this new place. And along my journey, um, I can tell you that I discovered that it's upside down, that, you know, those are still the things that are being taught even in MBAs today is know the way and show the way. But actually, the world has evolved um, past our leadership. So that was a huge part of my journey was realizing, actually, this is upside down. I create value by enabling other people not by pushing or pulling them or, you know, whatever it is, but by actually creating the right environment for people to do their thing and move the organization along. So totally the reverse. So if you want to start by creating an environment for people around you, like just a few people in your team, maybe don't make it too bad, so difficult, right? A few folks around you. What's the starting point? Yeah, great question. So you have to start small and you have to start exactly where you are. So, you know, some people will make the mistake of trying to jump uh, 20 kilometers ahead in the journey, but they need to start at kilometer one in the journey in order to start moving forward and in teeny tiny steps. So one thing that leaders can find um, useful to think about is what is one way that I am in the way? You know, how do I need to get out of your way? How do I need to get out of my way? Where am I slowing the team down? So what's one thing uh, that you could do or eliminate or somehow get out of the way so that the team could go faster? I was just imagining some people. I was in a conversation today, right? I really believe they think that they are not in a way. They are actually helping by all those advices and that's what they require from you. They often tell me something like, but they ask me for that, right? They want it, they like it. So how do you change that? That internal like ability to don't tell people what to do, but actually create an environment where they can try themselves. Yeah, for the leader, it's about experimenting. You know, what else could be true? maybe we have made them that way these people always want the answers because we have overruled them so many times that they're exhausted from you know trying to make suggestions or you know we ask them questions and kind of make them guess i had a boss like this um he would ask me what do you think and i had to guess until i could match up what he thought <laughs> right like it's so frustrating if you just want me to do your thing, just tell me that and let's move on with life, right? Rather than have me guess and run around and try to experiment different things. 
So for the leader, it's really thinking about like, maybe these people don't ask questions. Maybe they don't engage because I've created that environment. So what's one thing I can do to try to move the other way? You know, even having a conversation with them about um, how could we create a better environment for you to bring ideas forward? Right. What's one thing that I'm doing right now that's stopping that? What's one thing I could do differently uh, to start that happening? Yeah, starting with you, which leads me to my another topic here. So what was your biggest learning on your agile journey? You know what? I think there's um, I think there's two that really stand out to me. It is being agile with agile. So often I see um, in organizations that, that we do work with that they are being unagile, the most unagile with agile possible. Like you must do it this way. You must do these things. These are the rules. Do not violate them, right? And we have to be agile with agile um, because there's a whole huge distance between doing and being. And you don't wanna just do it, you wanna be it and even that's not the goal. The goal needs to be some kind of, you know, customer delivery. What's the purpose of the organization that we're trying to fulfill? And this is one of the mechanisms that we're using to fulfill it is a better way of working. Cool. Right. So it's kind of what are we working towards? But there's a whole difference between doing and being. And then the second one is around failure, that failure is necessary and valuable. Right, you have to fail. If you are not failing, you are not innovating your way of working. You're not innovating and iterating yourself. Um, you're just, you know, staying stuck in the lane that you're in, and you're never actually going to be better. You know, you can't innovate unless you can make mistakes. So it's all about just embracing that mindset and accepting it that failure is not only necessary; it's also valuable along the way. And that's very difficult, specifically for some environments. I remember, so I was speaking about experimentation and the necessity for a failing in one finance organization. And you look at me, it's like, no, no, you can't fail here. That is impossible. <laughs> right? So how yeah. do you break that? If you work with such an environment, what do you do to make it a little closer so they actually start thinking about it in a more positive way? Yeah. So the first thing um, I talk about in environments like that is, you don't want innovation then. Innovation is not on your agenda. If making mistakes is not on your agenda, innovation is not on your agenda. Because if you are enabling people to try new things, by virtue of trying, you will have mistakes. You will have failures, right? It's, it, you have to, you can't try slam dunk, sure experiments. It's not a real thing that goes together, <laughs> right? So there is a matter of, taking the smallest possible step and taking that and cutting that in half, you know, one or two times to take an even smaller step. What is the smallest thing that almost seems like a non-experiment that we can experiment with? Try that, you know, try things. Um, I talk to leaders often about building a bubble, like build the bubble, you know, what's your bubble of safety, your three people, and what are you going to experiment together to start just trying new things? Maybe that's, you know, that you're having meetings at a certain time or that you're trying a different agenda for meetings or that you're trying different ways to get people to volunteer ideas, right? Experiments don't need to be big. They need to be really small. And the more risk averse the organization, 
um, the more traditional, the more hierarchical, the more bureaucratic, <laughs> the smaller those experiments need to be because it threatens the survival of the organism, right? Like if you think about the organization as an organism, this is a threat to its identity. This is a threat to its survival and you're going to bounce off of it with big experiments. So they need to be super tiny. Sort of almost safe, right? So yeah. small, so it doesn't really matter. It's below like invisible close to, yeah, but that's a good, that's a good point, right? Small experiments start with as well. Now, try to look into the future. What's your dream? Like how agile gonna look like in 20 years from now? Yeah, I think, I think how agile looks 20 years from now is that we see organizations in a whole different way. You know, that instead of seeing organizations like pyramids or machines, that we start seeing organizations like networks and organisms, right? That we actually start seeing people as people in organizations and enabling the people um, because that's what enables the success of the organization. So I would see that shift in agile as well, right? To be more of a true network because as it exists today, some of the systems tend to be pyramids still, right? And so with that kind of hierarchy and bureaucracy, especially uh, in those systems, you still don't get the full benefit. You still don't actually develop agility until you can have this more networked uh, organization where teams can form and reform and change as needed um, on their own. So it's more you know, into self-management and creating organizations where people can just get stuff done and get all the added you know, weight and gravity and baggage out of the way. Um, that's really what I see in the future. It's a whole different way to look at organizations. That's that's really nice. I have this one question when I speak about those networks, etc. People often like say, "Yeah, but how does it truly work together? How does it uh, glue together? How does it know what to do and what not to do, etc." So, can you elaborate a little on that? I think one um, important component there is that you have really strong guiding principles that everyone is glued to. Right. So everyone is kind of operating on this set of common principles and also that you have a strong purpose. So what is the organization here for? How are we all glued together in this, you know, North Star moving this thing forward? Because then we're all acting, thinking, feeling, you know, creating whatever it is we're creating. We are creating in that lane of that um, purpose of that North Star. And then we are guided by these principles that support how we interact, how we work together, what our agreements are. So a lot of the work that we do with um, teams is with agreements and not like team agreements that we hope that people abide by after we put them on a you know sticky note board or something. Um, it's more agreements like bound agreements between people. Here's what I need from you. Here's what you need from me. Here's what we agree to. So those things, it's like having a thousand pieces of glue rather than hoping that this that these five sticks of glue stick everything together is more like you know what it is in a traditional organization. Nice. I tried to sort of give you those typical challenges people ask me back. So yeah. how can you create a good purpose which people would remember? 
purpose is all about bringing people together. So it's not, you know, purpose that is created at the top and then delivered magically like a gift um, to the organization. It's actually co-created, like crowdsourced purpose um, so that we don't have to buy it. We all own it, right? So we all kind of came together to create this purpose. And this is our purpose. This is our core. Um, and it's about, you know, what is the organization trying to do in the world? What are they trying to bring to the world? What are they known for in the world? What impact are they having, right? So purpose is about those like deep questions, not the paper on the wall, right? But those kind of deep foundational questions that we can all, you know, stick into so that we can come together. Um, and it has to be meaningful, right? Like what is the meaning? that we are bringing to the world because people bring their best work when they are doing meaningful work. Uh, we have an epidemic of organizations and this is research backed. We have an epidemic of organizations in the world um, creating meaningless work and people are getting more and more and more disengaged because if you think about some of the nonsense that you've had to do in jobs, right? You're like, I cannot possibly, why are we even doing this, right? Like, what did I even do today? Um, so when you have this strong purpose and you're working towards it, then it's a whole different thing because you are, you know, creating a better something or you're, you know, helping somebody uh, in the world. So it has to be bigger than just us and doing our thing. And it really has to be meaningful. Well, thank you very much for your conversation, for your time. Looking forward to see you in September in Prague. Thank you so much, Susie. Great to see you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Agile Way podcast hosted by Zuzi Shakova, author of the Great Scrum Master book and Agile Leader book. If you love listening to this podcast, please leave us a review. If there is any topic you are particularly interested in and would like to hear another episode on it, let me know. For more information about me and my Agile classes, visit our website sokhova.com S-O-C-H-O-V-A dot com Thank you for listening.